You're listening to the Level Flight Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. And welcome back to episode 25 of the Level Flight Podcast. Today I'm joined by just Elliot. Uh, Brian, hey, has hey, pretty, hey. Brian has a pretty nasty cold. He was uh, talking to us before. I don't think he'll be able to go today no. or um, anytime soon. A little soon. bit of uh, not LTIR, but definitely on IR just for <laughs> just for the day. Like a Mark Stone LTIR situation, you know. Like yeah. he'll come back when it matters, but like for now, yeah, it's only game two, right? Oh, for yeah. sure, for sure, exactly. No, um, he he's not feeling the best, so he's gonna take today off. Just Elliot and I to break down game one and two of the Jets and Vegas Golden Knight series. Elliot, we're gonna start with game one, which was. One of the most impressive games that the Jets have played, I'd say, in 2023, just in general, yeah. like against any opponent. Um, they come into Vegas, they win 5-1, uh, they outshoot them, I think it was 30-17 to 17, or 31-17 to 17 was yeah, the final like count. Uh, only two shots against in the third period. Uh, it was It was honestly the most impressive performance I've seen from the Jets in months. Uh, even when they were winning games down the stretch in that homestand, they weren't playing this well. That was that was a great, great game. How did you see that one play out? I, I genuinely think that that probably was their best game of the season. I mean, like, I think that was at least up there. They've had some good performances this year, um, but they just seem to control play. And I just think that that was super important, um, especially like a team like Vegas, where they like to play defensive and kind of control how the game goes. The Jets from the jump decided that they were going to dictate how that game went and what pace that they were playing at um i think they did a really good job of minimizing uh jack eichel at least in game one i'd even say in game two i know he scored in game two and we'll get to that but i think that the first two games they did really well and i think the offense in game one just not just because they put up five goals but the quality of chances and the way that they just seemed to they were just dominating it was it was it's yeah. pretty hard to wrap your head around anything else or say anything else other than just it was really a really good performance where they minimized vegas and they minimized their uh, i know they're a team and we've talked about it by committee but they minimized their main offensive scoring scores and they brought offense and they brought chances and they capitalized on them which was huge yeah and i was listening to a few post-game shows after this one of them being game over winnipeg and they all they all talked about like who were your standout players of the game. I was trying to think of the flip side of that, like players that underperformed in game one. And I honestly could not come up with one name. Every line even was Saku rolling. Even Saku made a line in. Saku, yeah. Well, he chipped in in game two. He had a nice yeah. assist as well. He's having a good series so far. But um, no, the, all four lines were rolling uh, offensively. Defensively, Neil Pionk had a better game one than he did game two. Sandberg and Schmidt had posted, I think they had like a 98% expected goals rate. Just unbelievable numbers for a rookie in his first ever uh, NHL playoff game. Yeah. But the top line is one thing I really want to talk about because Connor Dubois Shifley, in game two, uh, they were the only line above 50%, but we're focusing on game one for now. 50% expected goals percentage. Sorry, I just threw that number out there without any context. Uh, Game one, Pierre-Luc Dubois was a force. Uh, He set up Kyle Connor for the opening goal and then a minute and a half later scored his own. Uh, He was setting up Shifley in good areas all night. Uh, He's a big playoff performer. 
Uh, and he's he he's really good at using his size, and Vegas really could not handle him in game one. How did you like like what did you see from game one to game two that really dropped? Like I I, I wouldn't say that the top line played bad necessarily in game two, but their production fell off a cliff, right? Oh, like they, absolutely. They were, like they didn't they were produce as they didn't shots. produce as yeah. much. So um, what do you think the biggest change was? I think, and it was mentioned before the game. Um, and I saw a couple things afterwards on Twitter. Um, <clears throat> in game one, I don't think Vegas was playing that the stone line mm. against the Jets' top line. And that's what I noticed from looking at a bunch of stats and some other people's comments and seemed to be on the same page that they were playing the stone line a little bit more against the first line, which seemed to be kind of not minimizing them. Because when you go to Money Puck and you look at their the team's five-on-five stats – based on lines our for the jets first line of connor dubois shifley was at 1.243 uh goals four but didn't score and they were on right. the ice for a goal against right right so it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to say that they really had a bad game yes they were on for a goal against i think it was more just they couldn't finish chances in this game i think you look at the heat map and you look at a couple chances that they had like kyle connor had one of the if you look at the heat map with the dots one of the highest scoring chances of the night was a was was a Connor shot that didn't go in right in the crease. And it was that nice move in the first period. Um, this is game two, just yeah. so that we're on the same page, right? Yeah, yeah it was the two. nice yeah. move. Uh, he goes backhand, and Brassois robbed him right in the crease. It was. Well, he even has one. Away. There's one on the right dot. I'm trying to see if it'll let me touch it. Yeah, it was a Kyle Connor shot on goal, even on the mm, on the yeah. right. That one was all. That was that was another one that was as big. But even just going back to a game one, just to say that I think the the best part of it, like, um, like, I think that it's kind of difficult to say that they were bad in game two. Like I said, just because yeah. I think the stone line was put there in game two, and that was that was about that. So. There's not much really else you can say about game one other than they were good. Stand-up performers, you talked about Dubois. I wanted to highlight Sandberg. You mentioned Sandberg had a good game. I think he had a fantastic game. Um, and you know, I, I don't like you said, I don't think there was a bad player in game one. If you want to yeah. transition to game two, it's probably gonna be a little bit of a different <laughs> tone, but yeah. No, before before we do transition to game two, uh, I want to first touch on probably the biggest storyline from game one was the fact that Morgan Barron received 75 the report might have actually been over 75 i'm hearing 75 plus now apparently well yes sean reynolds was on winnipeg sports talk the next day he clarified his report basically the 75 stitches that were around morgan Barron's eye that everyone saw the replay because sportsnet showed it 500 times uh he basically they're micro stitches so they're not your regular stitches that are huge stitches yeah they're like a bunch of little stitches going down his because it starts from like his forehead and oh, goes yeah. all the way down his eye so he missed a, i think it was 19 minutes of actual game time and there's an intermission between there so he missed like an, over an hour of like real time in the game and yeah. then came back and was actually a really good player like yeah. again he was he he first ever career playoff game and he was great uh yeah he he was that third line was great adam lowry had two goals yeah and they were shutting down vegas's top players you know you talk about stone and eichel not looking themselves in game one a big part of that was the third line 
and their ability to shut them down. So props to Morgan Barron. Yeah, uh, I don't. Know I think if you props also to the med- medical staff. I think medical too. staff. Yeah, getting that yeah, done in an hour is pretty yeah. pretty insane to me. I know there was probably multiple people working on them at the same time. Yeah, like it probably wouldn't have just been the head head athletic therapist or the trainer or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But still, I think that's pretty pretty important. I think. I mean, and we'll probably touch on it after game two, but I think another storyline was uh, Nikolai Ehlers not playing. But yes. that that's the biggest one from that game that seems to be all over social media is definitely Morgan Barron. Yeah, and Ehlers not playing didn't prove to be an issue in game one, but then in game two, it really did show up. The The Barron thing, uh, the Jets uh, athletic trainer, their training staff, whatever, they had practice again in game two on the same thing because Hellebuck takes a shot to the mask. Uh, I think halfway through the first period, yeah, something mask like that. dents his eyebrow. He's got a nasty cut. They put a pretty spotty bandaid on it to start. Yeah. I didn't know if that was going to hold, but then the next uh, commercial break, they put glue on it or something. Yeah, and he was good to go. But I thought it was going to be this barren thing all over again. He's going to have blood. They're going to talk about how he got stitched up, whatever. Yeah. Uh, goalies are a bit different because they can't leave for an hour, right? Oh, you can't yeah. put Dave Riddick in net for an hour and have him stitched up. Obviously, it wasn't as bad. Yeah. I digress. Uh, game two. We'll move on now. Uh, we'll end on the Morgan Barron, the high <laughs> note. Um, game two, his eye looked a lot worse. I will say that, oh, Morgan Barron. Yeah. <laughs> in game two, his eye is like black now. And then his yeah. entire thing is still bloody. Anyways, uh, the Jets had a great first period. I said last night on Game Over Winnipeg that it felt like the fourth period of Game 1. They just continued what they were doing. Um, and then everything kind of fell apart in the second period. Not like they, they were still in it. but Oh, yeah. Not, like, like it just there was a clear change in the way the game was flowing. Vegas was really controlling it from the second and third period on. And I think it had to do with neutral zone play. I I rewatched the game this morning and I, I picked up on some things on first watch. And then in, in the rewatch this morning, I really noticed it. But the Jets could not enter the zone cleanly on Vegas's neutral zone four check like for the back 40 minutes of that game. They really struggled. And when you can only dump the puck in and the, your only way to gain possession in the offensive zone is to dump it in, hit a guy, steal it. And then you have possession. You're making it way harder on yourself yeah. than, you, than it you're going to tire yourself out. Exactly. So that was one of the biggest things for me. I don't know how you saw this game play out, but I think the neutral zone was really a place the Jets struggled. But where do you wh- where do you stand on just the game in general? Where do you think it kind of fell apart after the first period? It's NBA playoffs time. That means big hoops action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Get in on the excitement of every game with the touch of a button. New customers can make a $5 pregame Moneyline bet and score $150 in bonus bets if their team wins. Plus, everyone can score a no-sweat same-game parlay every day during the NBA playoffs. Open the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt-in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game. If it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back up to $10. Download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can make a $5 pregame Moneyline bet and score $150 in bonus bets if their team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. In New York, call 877 877- 
8 hope and why or text hope and why which is 467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Oh, de- I definitely agree. I think it had to do with the neutral zone. I mean, like you mentioned, Vegas controlled play for the back half of this game, at least the back 40 minutes. And yeah, I think the neutral zone problem had to mostly do with that. And we've seen that throughout this year. A lot of guys can't like, not that they can't, but they seem to struggle as soon as a team throws any sort of like neutral zone sort of trap for check, that sort of thing, whatever you want to call it it seems to be that the Jets just can't figure out their way to either pass through it or make plays to get past it, even just get lucky once in a while. Like they just can't seem to find a way to like just muddle it through. It has to be dump it in. You got to chase it and you're just tiring yourself out. So that's why, that's why they look so bad in the last half of the third period because they'd been dumping the puck in and trying to chase after it for the last yeah. 35 minutes. That's why it, that's why everything just blew up at the end and then the yeah. 5-2. Cuz I think that yeah. game was really closer than 5-2. Like yeah, I agree I, because if, if you look at the the shot share, the shot quality, whatever analytic you want to look at, the Jets were like even or even arguably better than Vegas in this game, right? And they just ran out of gas and that's what Vegas does. They tire you down. Their forecheck is relentless, and then when you're your most, you're when you are your most tired, that's when they take advantage. After icings, Jack Eichel will get a deflection goal. Mark Stone will get a, a goal off the rush when everyone's gassed. That's what Vegas does, right? And yeah. it was really evident in that game. They, they definitely played to their strengths, which is what yeah. the Jets limited in Game One, and that's why they looked so good. Because yeah. when you let Vegas play the way that they want to play, it, it's really hard to stop them from doing that like it, yeah. it, it it's very difficult for them to go again their game plan not that it's like the most complicated or the most advanced but like it, it's a good game plan and it plays well to the team's strengths so it's really difficult for them to try to you know get through and like for the jets to get through anything when they just like, I'm sure if they had broken down the four check a little bit more, because it was a one three one, correct? Uh, kind I, of a hybrid sort of thing. Yeah, Vegas throws so many different looks in the neutral zone. They they typically play a one two two, but then when they play really passive, it looks like a one four. And then just randomly at times there was a few one three one looks out of them. So that definitely threw off the Jets defenders when they were trying to exit the zone and stuff. Uh, some people like uh, Winnipeg Chief on Twitter Twitter tweeted out that was a mouthful uh, that <laughs> Vegas was running a one three one and from that point I was looking for it and I saw it two or three times but then when I rewatched the game Vegas still ran like a one two two way more often than they did a one three one it seemed like a one three one was just like a wrinkle that they just threw in there uh, just to throw the defenders off and it worked because well, every time it, they, yeah they just threw that in. Uh, the Jets had no clue what to do because they can't. Really they weren't prepared for it. Yeah. And I don't think Vegas did that in game one. No. It seemed like they stuck to their 1-2-2 the entire game. The Jets figured it out. 
early yeah. on because they'd played them, what is it, two, three times during the regular season. But early, and, early yeah, in the and, and early in yeah. the year. But either yeah. way, you st- you watch film and you watch film from their recent games. You see what trends teams are doing, right? And so yeah. in, a ga- in a game two, we knew that Vegas was going to make changes. I didn't know if they were going to do stylistic changes, but I mean, right. hey, if you're going to change team strategy, that's probably the that's normally the best way to make changes other than lineup or it's the most simple way is if you just want to change something in practice the day before, or just have a film session and talk about it. Right. And yeah. so in this game, when they were switching from to different four checks, obviously it's difficult for defenders to figure out, OK, what what holes can I try to exploit these four checks? Because I don't even know what they're playing right now. Because yeah. last last time I'm trying to break the puck out of our defensive zone, it's a one-two-two, and now it's a one-three-one, and oh wait, yeah. now we're down three-two, and they've gone to a one-four. Yeah, right. Like it's it's different, and then maybe they've gone back to the one-two-two, right? And, and then it's it becomes this mind game that you're yeah. having to play. Now, obviously, these guys are professionals, and obviously they're going to struggle. But you would think they not to figure out the patterns, but they kind of, after time, be able to figure stuff out a little bit quicker and try to, you know, make it um, make it through the game by trying to at least just yeah. figuring it out. But I mean, it is what it is. They Vegas and I will I will applaud them for that. That was a very smart coaching decision to change some team strategy stuff. Especially, I'm not sure if it was on the fly during the game or if they had had a chat. Yeah. But still, we knew they were going to come with changes. They made some and they clearly worked. So if you're the Jets, you got to be prepared for game three for them to either A, do the exact same thing. Or if you're a bonus, you're telling your guys, be ready for anything. Because they're going to, they seem to be just trying to throw anything at us to see if they can shake us. Yeah. And just to kind of speak to how difficult it is for these defenders, the one constant of all of these neutral zone and ozone four checks that Vegas runs is that there's a one at the top. So when you got to beat that, that one forward is coming for the puck, right? He's going to hit you. The puck gets dumped into your corner. You're getting hit and you got to, you got to beat that one four checker, right? Then when you beat that one four checker, you don't know if the rest of the, the four check is going to be a three, one or all four guys are going to be back or it's going to be two, uh, like two, two, if it's going to be one, two, two, one, three, one, one, four. Yeah. But regardless, you have to beat the first forward. You probably have to take a hit in the process. And then you have to get your eyes up, process what neutral zone they're running, and immediately make a read within like half a second. Not pro- pro- that's probably overestimating how much time they actually have. It's probably right? about a quarter, I would say. Like, yeah, just from my own bad. Like you and I play basketball, <laughs> we played a bunch against a bunch of different presses. You don't have like even at lower levels, you don't have a lot of time to think about. No, like like and unless you the know NHL the team level, coming in. Yeah, no. if unless you know the team coming in, and they don't change it, like. I, I can't even imagine if I played against a one-two-two press in basketball and then had yeah. to change to a one-three-one press and then it's a man press. Like, yeah, if they changed it every bunch of possessions, I used to be an inbounder. I would hate that. I'm basically like a defenseman trying to make an outlet pass, yeah, like a breakout pass. I I would hate that because it's okay. Well, now I got to figure out who am I throwing this to because I need to figure out what holes. Because normally I would inbound it and then I'm getting it right back. So it's like a D to D pass and I've now got to make a breakout pass. So yeah. now I got to figure out, okay, are they in man? Are they, are there two guys up ahead or do I have three in the middle? And I got to try to find a way to lob this over all three and throw it to whoever's <laughs> far deep. Obviously I know you can't do that in hockey, but it just, yeah. just as an example, like it, that's difficult. It's not easy. And, 
and you don't have Mark Stone hitting you. Into, no, into, I, into I don't have anybody either. hitting me. I've got yeah, guys exactly. running at me to like throw their hands up, but I, no, I, but I still have split seconds to make a decision to figure out who can I pass after I get the ball back. Who can I pass to? Now, obviously, there's anticipation involved, but that and that increases risk of making a decision, which I think led to some Jets mistakes last night. Where yeah. later in the game, they were trying to make anticipated passes because they knew they didn't have much time and either eight Vegas made an anticipation to their anticipation or like bonus. I think he made mention to it in comments, but other people were saying it um, on social media was just, he, the guys were passing stuff into skates. And I think that had to do with anticipation because they're just trying to get the puck yeah. off their stick and try to find a way up ice. And they're not really focusing on passing, not passing properly, but passing to in front of somebody to their stick blade rather than just to them. Yeah. And one thing the broadcast praised the Jets for in game one was their ability to chip the puck out. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a little bit of like a you live and you die by it situation because when I was tracking this game in the neutral zone and rewatching it, there was, I think, six or seven times in just the second period alone where pick your defender. They all do it. Uh, they just chip it out unforced. Like, there's a guy coming towards them, but there's a better play to be made. But they just chip the puck out because, you know, you want the puck out of the zone. The puck gets chipped out. The Jets lose the battle in the neutral zone, and it gets dumped right back in, and you're, run, you're doing it again. Like I, You're on the I, defense I, I of your entire shift. I, like, it, it works sometimes when you chip it out, and, oh, you get a lucky bounce. It bounces over a stick, and you're gone, and it's a three-on-two, right? That's that's a great that, – that works. But then – you're kind of just rolling the dice every time you chip the puck out because there was three, four times in a row where DeMello chips the puck out. It gets dumped back in DeMello chips the puck out. It gets dumped back in. And it just it, like, that's what Vegas does is they're just relentless, right? It's, it's something that I don't know if they need to change it because it worked in game one, right? Like the, nothing stylistically changed from the jets point of view in this game. Uh, but they just, they need to counter Vegas's adjustment. This is what playoff series are all about. You know, one team's going to adjust. The next team has to adjust and it's just going to be back and forth. Yeah. It's whoever Jets... can roll with the most adjustments and exactly. figure it out. And now it's a best of five, right? These teams split on the road. Uh, Elliot, if I had told you before game one and two, that the Jets would come away with a split, how would you be feeling? I'd be feeling pretty good. And exactly. I, I still feel yeah. pretty good. I mean, I'd I mentioned it before the series started. I said that. You know, like I was hoping that they would split because then I felt better about the Jets winning. And I can't remember if I said six or seven, but I felt better about the Jets winning the series if they split. And I, I was expecting them. And I think I said it too last episode. I said, I think I expect them to win game two, not one. I thought they were going to be the ones making the, the changes and making the adjustments and coming out and winning game two the way they did one game one. But I will take a game one win any day. And and then I feel I think I feel better about splitting than I would have if we had won game two. Because I'd still feel like we were on our back foot because we had to make the adjustments. We had to right. make Vegas adjust, which means that they're yes, I know we were playing into their strengths later in the game, but early on we they were still trying to they weren't playing to their strengths still. So I still feel like we have a step ahead. But I don't. I would feel great if we were fantastic if we were up 2-0. But right, yes, context context matters. And the oh, Jets oh, were, absolutely, absolutely. The Jets were in game two and then lost it. So that's why the split doesn't feel as like triumphant and like yes, we now have home ice. 
uh, in a best of five series, right? Because that's what this is now. It's a best of five, and the Jets have home ice. They have three home games. Vegas only has two. So this is this is like best you case scenario. Really, honestly, yeah, you couldn't really ask for much more before the series started than a split against the top seed on the road. Uh, the way it happened is kind of demoralizing because the Jets looked great for four of the six period. They punched them in the mouth. But here we are. It's a split. Vegas adjusted. We're going back uh, to Winnipeg for game three. It's uh, Saturday at three o'clock. Now that it's a best of five and the Jets have home ice, what are like one? What are some things that you're looking for the Jets to like? We talked about counter adjustments. We talked mm-hmm. about what they need to do. Now that they have this advantage in the series, what are you looking for them to come out and do in game three? Well, I'm just hoping that they come out in game three like they have in game one and two. It needs to be high energy, high just a fast like, start. It just yeah. needs to be a fast start. And I like and we saw it towards it weaned off towards the end of the game. Effort, I know guys were getting tired and they've been they've been in Vegas for a little bit. They probably want to get back home, you know. But obviously you gotta you're a professional, you gotta finish the job. But I think that coming up with fast starts and coming up with solid starts like they have been like the first, I have no complaints about the first for the two first periods we've seen from the jets in the playoffs so far, no complaints at all. I think they've been great. It's trying to complete those. And we have one game where they did complete it and one game where they didn't. So for game three to be successful, I think that's one thing. Um, Another would be obviously you can't work on this in one day because this is we're recording this on the Friday. They play mm-hmm. tomorrow, Saturday, and obviously they're it's a travel day. They're not going to practice. They may have an optional skate tomorrow, but you know you can't like you can't just go to practice and an optional skate work on passing and do all this stuff. So in game in game passing probably needs to be better, of course. But um, yeah, so yeah. It, 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 other than I would say just passing in the, and, and they're like, I've said a couple times, they're professionals. They will be able to, fi- I'm hoping they can figure out this four check issue and this neutral zone problem that they seem that they had in game two. That's my hope. So yeah, well, th- that's basically all I've got in terms of strategy and stuff. Obviously things may change. We may see a, Nic- a wild Nikolai Ehlers in the lineup <laughs> for game three. Whoa. Um, yeah. I, that, that was my only player sort of adjustment which means the lineup goes back to what it was when they were on a heater. Obviously game one, it didn't matter. They didn't need him, but I think they needed him in game two. So if Vegas yeah. throws the same thing at them. They're going to need him in game three. Yeah. And, and if he was in full gear, like you said on Twitter for around four or five days ago, weird. Yeah. I, I, I don't see why he can't play. Yeah. And, but, and I think they need him. They do. They, they, yeah. they realistically need him right now, especially going back home. And I'm hoping that's what they were doing. After game, I'm assuming they sat him in game two because they were up one nothing. I'm sure if they went down one zero, I'm sure he would have played in game two. Yeah. But because they're saying they're being precautionary, but if he thinks he's uh, yeah. ready to go, it's the playoffs. You got to play. Yeah. You got all summer to rest and to rehab. If you're at least eighty percent ready to go, I think you got to play. But yeah, I'm and- obviously not a trainer and I'm not part of the coaching staff, so I don't get to make that decision. That's just my own personal philosophy. We're not doctors. Yeah. We'll Ab- absolutely. That. Absolutely. Preface with that. I, yeah. I, I don't have a PhD. I don't have anything. That's just right. We don't, we, and we don't really know. Process. We don't really know what his injury is yeah. either because they never really said. Uh, another thing, I found it funny. The Sportsnet broadcast was talking about Mark Stone last night 
and near the end they said something along the lines of oh what what uh bruce cassidy told mark stone that when you're cleared uh to play you're gonna play and because they were talking about how much they're using him yeah basically stone well, they, is playing you, over, still they, playing over 20 line. minutes a night even though he hasn't played in three months they're yeah. running him into the ground which is Honestly, yeah, he, he clearly knocked the rust off uh, in game two with two goals. But Oh, yeah. I found it funny that Bruce Cassidy told Mark Stone, if you're cleared to play, you're going to go. And then Nikolai Ehlers, I, like, I don't know. Was he cleared to play? He practiced in full, in a, in a full contact uniform the day before game one. Yeah. That seems like he's cleared to go for yeah, me. You don't just, <laughs> yeah. Like, Perfetti's not cleared to play. And he's in a non-contact jersey, but he's still skating. Yeah. Right. If he was cleared to play, he'd be wearing a contact jersey and playing. Yeah. It just makes it just makes absolutely no sense, especially since, like you said, maybe if they went down one zero, he's more likely to p- play game two. But now, when we're coming up to Saturday, that will have been six days, five or six days since he practiced in full, and, and spoke was, to the media and, and said that and he was fine and good. said, "You, I'm ready. I want to play. I'm ready to go." So what what injury exists where a player can say he's fine, he can practice with f- no restrictions, and and nobody and comments saying that the, he's behind, and still can't play for a week. Yeah, that makes no sense whatsoever. So I I I really hope he plays because we talked yeah. about the neutral zone. One way to beat you talked about passing. Another way to beat neutral zone coverage is with speed. Yeah, is with speed. I I'm gonna do a thread on Twitter later today on some of the entries the Jets did have that worked. Uh, there were some bad ones and there were some good ones. And a theme with all the good ones was they're using their speed. It's Cal Connor flying down the wing. It's Pierre-Luc Dubois flying down the wing. And they're hitting them in stride with a good pass, like you said. And they're beating the coverage and they're getting ozone time because of it. If you put Nikolai Lears in the lineup, that happens. He's, a, he's honestly, just fast. I, I hate saying this, but he's a free zone entry. Yeah, he like, is. That's like his whole 90, thing. 90% of the time, he's a free zone entry. Obviously, nobody's perfect. Sometimes defenders are going to make great plays and guys are going to take the puck off him or anticipate him trying to speed up and try to stick lift him or whatever. But like, he is a free zone entry when he is in, he's almost a free zone entry when he's in the lineup. And right yeah. now, for the power play against this four check, they, they, need, they need him. They need it. it, it it's imperative. It's, it's not like he's a fourth line forward or a bottom six like like yes will perfetti help this lineup when he comes back absolutely mm-hmm. but i think we need nikolai ehlers more than we do perfetti and that's not to diminish perfetti's ability or anything yeah it's just that ehlers brings something to the team that the rest of the guys don't have so yeah and that to further that that second line with nino on it really like out of every line because the third line just dumps the puck in whatever uh the first line actually had some good zone entries with using their speed the second line really struggled and that is the line that Ehlers plays on when he's in the lineup right and Nemesikov and Wheeler are great when they're in the offensive zone when they're already there and Ehlers gets them there that's his whole thing is he's zone entry he's neutral zone he flies his nickname is fly he flies through the neutral zone that's his whole thing uh he's made a career off of it and the Jets need that the most so that's that's obviously the status of Nikolai Ehlers is a big thing going into game three. Another thing I want to highlight is Connor Hellebuck has yet to have his, like we, we keep saying that he's going to signature speak. game. Or... Yes, that's going to happen. The Jets are going to get a signature game out of Connor Hellebuck and it is they just yet have to, to capitalize on it. 
They, yes. But they have to win that game. We can't have a, and we've had these before. We can't have a signature Connor Hellebuck game and lose. And we, and we lose. Now, yeah. he did have a signature save last night in game two. That was unreal. Right. But we haven't had a game full of those yet, which we're expecting for him to have in the next little bit. Yeah. He had a great game last night, but it wasn't a signature Connor Hellebuck performance. It wasn't, yeah. It wasn't a Vesna Buck performance. It was just it, a Connor Hellebuck performance. Yes. It's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen in this next best of five. The Jets need to capitalize on it. That's something to watch for in game three and game four. Does it happen at home? Uh, and again, uh, using using the team speed, uh, capitalizing on a Connor Hellbuck performance. Special teams, we talked about it before this series started. That's something that the Jets have actually been decent at in the first few games. Their penalty kill has been really good. Their power play kind of tailed off in game two. Their, Lowry scored the deflection goal, but yeah. The top unit didn't really generate much. And it's without uh, Ehlers. Without Ehlers, exactly. That The power play misses him a lot. But those are a lot of things to watch yeah. to, for game game three and four. But mainly just enjoy it. It's going to be yeah. the Winnipeg it's Whiteout. It's going to be awesome. It's going to return for the first time since the pandemic hit. Just have fun. It's going to yeah. be fun. Whether you're going to the street party, whether you're watching at home and listening to the crowd. Or, or you're lucky enough to, yeah, morning. if you're lucky enough yeah. to get to the game. Yeah, just enjoy it. Um, what are your thoughts on the Winnipeg Whiteout returning for the first time? Oh, since it's 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 fun. It's awesome. I'm yeah. I'm I'm excited. It's always a good time. Obviously, as soon as it just made the playoffs, there's merch everywhere. Everyone's selling oh, stuff. Yeah. Whatever. Like they, they, it's as much as hockey is a big thing in this city. Playoff hockey is always yes. Doesn't matter who you are. If you've watched the entire season, or you have, you've like catch caught one game or two or whatever. It's always people are watching Jets playoff games, even even on the road, but especially when they're at home. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's going to be good. I, I will make one prediction for before we get into how we think uh, the two games are going to go. Yeah. This has to do with um, talking about players. Um, we didn't mention too much. I know we scored in game one, but I'm calling it. Kyle Connor looked really good last game. Yeah, One of these two games, he's going to have a multi-goal game. I'm not picking mm. which one. But I like at at some point he's gonna have a game where one like either game three or four he's gonna have a, a multi goal game where either two go in or a playoff hat trick would be great too. That would be that would be so, nuts. A bunch of white hats getting thrown yeah. onto the ice, white Jets hats. Yeah, that'd be it, really it, weird to try to get off the ice. Yeah, <laughs> it would. Can I scrape those up? Yeah. yeah. No, but I, I agree. He had like eight shots on goal last night. And they were all he, quality shots. None, yeah. none of them were like, like he got robbed on one. He had a couple bunch of other chances where he probably could have scored. Yeah. I, I'm waiting for one. He scored in game one, which showed that he's not just going to disappear in this series. And game two definitely showed that. So yeah. if he can keep, and we, we need to have him keep that up. Because if yeah. he disappears again, then our sh- our quote unquote one shooting talent is gone. Exactly. And that's, and and that's going to hurt us with the matchups too. now shifting uh, to the Jets at home. They are going to control the matchups. They're going to put the Lowry line against the Eichel line or whoever they want to put against them. Right. So when there's a high leverage after an icing offensive zone face off, you know, Connor Dubois Shifley is coming over the boards. Like, yeah, it's just going to happen. Right. And th- they don't have that luxury in on the road. Yeah. So. Well, I guess if there's an icing, they they could do that anyways. 
you get what I'm trying to say. When there's a big high leverage offensive zone faceoff against Vegas's fourth line, yeah, they have the ability to match that and put the top line out there. That uh, that'll give yeah. them even more opportunities. And I think, and I mentioned this last episode. I think playing at home for these guys, lots of these guys love, and the guys that have been here for a while love playing at home. And the guys that have been in the playoffs love playing at home because of the environment. And they feel like they have a sixth man on the ice. So I think that's huge for guys like Connor and Shifley who have played Blake Wheeler. I think he, I think he may have a little bit of a extra pep in his step, at least in game three to begin with, whenever he comes over the boards mm-hmm. and guys yeah. like Ehlers may have a little bit more. Cause it seems, it, I don't know what it is about this crowd. I know that I've lived in the city now my entire life. I don't know what it is about all sports teams as soon as, and, and you can make the argument for any city, but I definitely think for this city alone, when guys come here and they get to know the crowd and the fans, it mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. Whenever they start to cheer, it seems to give them some sort of extra energy. Oh, yeah, so absolutely. Be prepared for the Jets if they want to continue. They got to do what they did in the first period of both for, both game one and two. I can really see it happening, especially in game three, at least for the first five or so minutes with Candle Life Center rocking. So the first goal is so important in game three. Yeah, because... That is like the, that building is going to go nuts yeah. if they score the first goal in the first period of game three. But if Vegas scores, then it'll be like, oh, everyone will take a step back. Yeah. Kind of thing. So the, the first goal is obviously always important. But I think game three in particular, for the reasons you said with the crowd, yeah. uh, we, we touched on it a, a lot in this episode. Uh, a lot of things to watch for. We are going to keep doing with uh, the episodes every two games. So we'll be back after game four. Uh, but yeah, watch for Kyle Connor. He's been great. Watch for Vegas's neutral zone defense. It's smothering and it's it must be frustrating as heck for the players to play against. Uh, and watch for Connor Hellbuck. Watch for a signature performance. And uh, most importantly, enjoy these games because yep. the Winnipeg Whiteout is back. And uh just, and just we have, have no idea what's ha- what's going to happen in the future yeah. of this franchise. So exactly, this core is expiring. We've talked a lot about that. So just enjoy these games while you can. Uh, if you don't have anything else, uh, we can we can wrap up. But I you know. I think that's it. I think it's right. just let, let's get let's get her going. Let's yeah, let's do these, it. These, these are going to be the two most excited. Like when I wake up on Saturday and Monday, this is the most excited I'm going to be for a game for two games this this whole year, regardless yeah. of what happens game three or whatever so enjoy these games uh from brian who's not here suffering from a cold uh elliot and i thank you for listening and uh, we will see you again after game four go jets go jets you've been listening to the level flight podcast on the hockey podcast network 